Circling the wagons has been a go-to strategy for many companies facing legal challenges, such as when dealing with an activist board member. But what worked well out west in the 1800s and in boardrooms in the 1900s ain't necessarily the best strategy in this century. Most cases, if you just sit down and talk with them with some openness and humility, then you can get much further and avoid that war. Hi, I'm Irene Silber with the Vanguard Network. Beth Boland is a partner in the Boston office of Foley and Lardner. This past year, she was named one of the city's most powerful business people by Boston Business Journal. She recently sat down with the Vanguard Network's founder and president, Ken Banta, for a Vanguard Dialogue. The conversation touched on a wide variety of topics, including how to get more women in boardrooms and other positions of leadership, and also how lawyers, whether women or men, need to adapt to a rapidly changing world. There's still fewer top women in your uh, work than anyone would probably like to see. Why is that and what can be done about it? Sure, well, it's not a pipeline issue, okay? We have so many talented women and we see it not only in the legal profession, but also as we're trying to get women on boards. Mm -hmm. um, there's a group that I'm with, shocking, I'm sure that you'll hear that I'm very involved in trying to really identify boards that need women and women who are qualified to be on boards. And we have so many qualified women. Um, I train a lot of them, uh, help them with their bios and so on. And, but um, it really is um, I hate to say it, cultural expectations and what we see as leaders that I think really is, continues to be um, the gating factor and um, people saying, can't she really do this job? Okay. Do you think that it is a, a sort of basic stereotype issue that women aren't up to these tough roles or they don't have the time? Or is it that they lead in a different way that isn't appreciated by people who lead in another way? I think it's both. Mm -hmm. I think that's a very insightful question. I think it's it's both. Um, one of the things that we have seen here in Massachusetts that I'm so proud of is um, how we have changed the face of leadership in our public officials here, okay? Um, if you look at the last election, uh, I mean, and our statewide elected officials, it's governor, attorney general, treasurer, auditor, um, virtually all but one of our statewide elected officials are not just women, but they are talented and really, really good at their jobs. And I forgot to mention our, our wonderful Lieutenant Governor as well and in our congressional delegation. And the more that you see those pictures of really strong leaders who are women, I think that goes so far to just, you know, breaking down those barriers. People just get used to it. When you talk with the boards, you mentioned these external public affairs factors as having more prominence. What about the internal aspects? Are there some trends or uh, issues that you see yourself involved in that are internally facing, whether it's with the CEO, the management team, uh, policies? Yes, yes. Um, there's been a huge, uh, really a seismic shift in that in the last couple of years. You've seen it in terms of the courts 
and court decisions about the role of the board and of management in managing those risks um, that then can explode later. And second of all, um, you see it in terms of, again, those external factors that are then um, infiltrating, like the Me Too movement, okay? Case in point on that. And just to talk about the first one, because this is something that um, I feel compelled to educate boards and management on. Um, it used to be that um, boards would only be criticized if they took a vote, like a major transaction or a sale of a company and so on and so forth. And then that would result in litigation. Now we're seeing much more um, court oversight and plaintiffs that are pushing this about boards who fail to exercise their risk supervisory powers, okay? And it used to be that um, unless the, the board was basically moribund, you know, just asleep at the wheel, the wheel uh, that was okay. You know, um, plaintiffs would bring suits and say the board wasn't paying attention to um, sexual harassment that was going on in the company or in the case of like VW, um, them not complying with admission standards that were happening somewhere in the bowels of the corporation. Now you see courts that are much more focused on telling directors, you don't have to be management. We don't want you to be management. But what we want you to do is to ask, understand the risks, the key risks face, facing your company and ask the right questions to make sure that management is on top of them. And so you see boards that are much more engaged, much more active, much more involved in the risk management component of their job. So that's that's a real sea shift. Uh, Beth, on the board uh, aspect, um, I was also wondering, uh, what do you see as the emerging role or shifting role of the general counsel in this mix, because uh, we have a lot of GC members at Vanguard, and this is one of their top of mind topics. Oh, I think the role of the GC has become much, much, much harder. And as probably the same thing could be said for CFO, CEO, board members as well. But for the GC, it is taking a far more, again, a 360 um, view of what the risks are. We are seeing lawsuits that are being launched against corporations and against boards on issues that we never would have seen five years ago. For example, um, there is a plethora of suits that have been filed against a bunch of you know big name corporations saying, you have talked about diversity in your public, your SEC filings, okay? And you say that you're committed to it and so on and so forth, but look at your board numbers, look at your senior management numbers. And so you have been touting your commitment publicly in these actionable ways because they're in SEC filings and yet the reality is different. Now, 10 years ago, you never would have seen a lawsuit on that. And I can't say that any of those lawsuits will gain any traction other than simply being filed for publicity purposes. But nonetheless, 
those are the types of the issue of legal risk has totally expanded. And so it's conflicts and it's transparency. And um, saying, you know, if you're going to say something and you, if you haven't disclosed it, you have to think far more about whether you should because people are demanding that, then you have to do it. So that's kind of on the operational side. On the bigger picture side, it's cultural. I mean, it really is. I, we still see far too many boards and far too many management teams that have the circle the wagons sort of mentality as opposed to we are going to face up to our issues and get our arms around them and deal with them. You know, the number of clients that used to say, um, if there is a public issue or especially if there is litigation, they say, sorry, there's litigation, we can't comment. That doesn't fly because the court of public opinion will act much more quickly than any other court. And you have to deal with that first and foremost. Uh, eventually, you will have that reckoning or that um, reckoning on either side in the judicial court. But for now and, you know, at the moment, we have to deal with the court of public opinion because that will that will either make or break your business long before a judge ever, you know, signs an opinion on a piece of paper. So each one of these situations is different in some way. But on the other hand, you do get the feeling that it's like a recurring Greek tragedy, right? These things keep happening. It's often similar results. What do you think is the underlying problem here? Is it uh, ego? Is it a lack of uh, peripheral vision? Is it a hierarchical situation? Is it silos? What are the what is the what are the critical factors that keep you in business? <laughs> yeah, right, right. I think it's all of the above, and I think of a great situation where um, there was a board that was faced with an activist investor. Okay, and uh, the board was chaired by a woman, actually a woman that I know. And um, she was able, because she did not take an us versus them mm -hmm. approach mm -hmm. right from the start, she took a much more nuanced approach to say, let's listen to the shareholder. Let's you know figure out if there is a way that we can work this out um, without, uh, you know, ringing all the alarm bells and how she handled that was so deft and really helped navigate um, what I see in so many board situations, especially when we have an activist shareholder situation that, you know, the bad lines get drawn and, you know, both sides, both armies mm -hmm. um, uh, get, you know, I'll, I'll, uh, I was going to say missiled up or, you know, armed up. Mm. And um, that just, that, that is typically not the way to go. Sometimes, yes, you are being charged at by the enemy. And that's exactly what you need to do. But in most cases, if you just sit down and talk with them with some openness and humility, then you can get much further with and avoid that, that war situation. So here's a, a 
An interesting question from one of our members. Uh, lawyers are not always seen as leaders, but you really look like a lawyer as well as a leader. Uh, what do you see as your key leadership capabilities that you bring to clearly a great knowledge of the law? Lawyers can be, by self-selection, very risk-averse. And um, that is one of the biggest inhibitor for us being aligned with our clients because our clients, by and large, are not that risk-averse. <laughs> the lawyers are. I, I think the key is, is that you see the risks. Okay, that's what we're paid to do, but you are not driven by them, especially emotionally, because, you know, lawyers, we, our heart begins to palpitate a little bit more and we say, oh, no, 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 you can't do that. Well, yes, you can. Okay. Is it a risk? Of course it is. But I was so fortunate, so fortunate to be raised by parents who I think I'd say they were risk seeking. And uh, so I happen to be in the law and have that training, but it is about that risk seeking and being able to um, not internalize the risk, but understand it, but be able to move forward nonetheless. That was Beth Boland, a partner at Foley and Lardner, speaking with the Vanguard Network's Ken Banta at a recent dialogue. The dialogue and this podcast are just some of the membership benefits of the Vanguard Network, which organizes events, publishes content, and connects C-suite leaders. Our mission is building high-performance leadership. If you'd like more information about us, please visit our website at thevanguardnetwork.com. I'm Irene Silber. Thanks for listening.